Longest Shortest Time is brought to you by Invitae. Your genes can tell you if you're 12% French or 6% Italian. They can also tell you a lot about your future health. When you take an Invitae genetic test, they search for meaningful health information, like whether you're at an increased risk for inherited cancer or heart disease. Based on your results, you may be able to take steps to potentially lower that risk. Learn more by visiting Invitae.com. That's I-N-V-I-T-A-E.com. I'll admit it. I give my daughter dessert with her dinner. Right smack in the middle, or, or sometimes it'll be the very first thing that she eats. She'll gobble up that cookie before she's even touched her broccoli. But you know what? Then she gobbles up her broccoli, her chicken, her noodles, her string beans, her tomatoes. I learned pretty quickly with Sasha that if I insist that dessert comes after the meal, we will spend the entire meal discussing how many bites exactly she needs to eat before she gets her special treat. But if we get dessert out of the way, she eats pretty much all of the healthy stuff. Now, a lot of people would tell you this is bad, that I'm not giving her proper limits, that I'm letting her win. And you know, um, it's, it's kind of true. I, I am letting her have her way. When you go against what most people say you should do with your kid, you, you can't help but wonder, are they right? Is she not learning to wait for stuff? Um, am I going to make it hard for her to eat at other people's houses? But the thing is that in the end, our days are, are full of struggles. And this is one less struggle. We never struggle over food. And, and so because of that, I, I don't feel like she's winning. I feel like I'm the one pulling one over on her. You know, I'm tricking her into eating her vegetables. This little workaround, this parenting hack has worked for us. We all do these things here and there, don't we? Things that go against all conventional parenting wisdom. Just a little, right? Well, today we're going to hear from someone who wrote to me. Because... I did everything wrong. That's right, everything. Judge for yourself in a minute, but try not to be too judgy. This is The Longest Shortest Time. I'm Hillary Frank. Heather Myers claims, as you heard, that she did everything wrong as a new mom. And and this is this is like according to Pick pick your poison. Mommy blogs, parenting blogs, parenting books, other parents that I've met with kids that were close in age. Heather started out wanting to do everything the way she'd heard you were supposed to. But at every turn, her daughter Rosemary would not allow for supposed to. In all three major areas of parenting a baby, soothing, feeding, diapering, Rosemary seemed to be telling Heather, Mom, take everything you've learned about babies and throw it out the window. I'm different. So let's go through all the curveballs Rosemary threw Heather's way and the hacks that Heather came up with to handle them. We'll start with soothing. She did not want to be cuddled. Parenting hack number one, get the baby as far away from you as possible. She did not want to be swaddled. She did not want to sleep near me. When she was upset, she wanted to be put down. And people will tell me, well, maybe she would cry less if you would swaddle her. Well, she would kick the swaddles off. 
Um, even, even sometimes nurses at the doctor's office would ask about how she's sleeping or try to show me how to swaddle. And I, at one point, I was at the doctor's, and the nurse swaddled her, and she just kicked the whole thing off and then just laid flat on the table. And then did the nurse get it after that? Was she like, okay, She did. She's I like, see. oh, yeah, I see what you're talking about now, <laughs> you know? And, and it was just – it was just like stuff like that, like with sleeping. She never wanted to even be near us in a bed, so she slept in a bassinet in our room only for 10 weeks because she was kicking the sides of the bassinet, and it was keeping her awake. She was just kicking the walls, rolling around, boom, boom, boom. And that's when I actually ended up calling a girlfriend who has older kids, and I said, what is going on? And she's like, girl, put her in a crib. She's telling you she wants more space. So she was in a crib in her room at, what, 10 weeks, 11 weeks? And of course, I felt like, well, this has to be wrong. And there were some people that really said, well, you know, you know, she's not going to be as connected to you. And how can you hear her? And I, I spent the first night thinking, well, you know, maybe she was just gassy. That's why she was flipping around so much in the bassinet. Maybe. No, that's what she wanted. She wanted to be left alone. So wait, wait a second. How did you know that she was telling you? I mean, she was a little baby. (laughs) She was like 10 weeks old. How did you know she was telling you this? Because she slept. She used to lay, you know, have a starfish. You look at a starfish and it's, it's all splayed out. Uh That is how she slept like a little starfish. So once we put her in the crib, I was like, Oh, okay. Okay. She's still sleeping just fine. She just needed some more space. So, okay. Let's move on to our next category. Mm -hmm. Feeding. Yes. Oh my gosh. Okay. Well, I, because of being so sick throughout my pregnancy and then still having some issues with nausea and vomiting postpartum, I guess there was no fat, there was no calories, there was nothing. And so I could not breastfeed her. I mean, I was pumping and just nothing came out. So we switched to formula, which of course... You know, my doctor was really cool about it, but everybody else was like, well, you know, you maybe you didn't try hard enough, or maybe you should have tried pumping for longer, or taken this stuff, or done this thing. And I mean, like, I never leaked. There was, there was nothing. I felt so bad. I felt so bad about it. Because, you know, my mom had four kids, you know, boobed a cup, nursed us all. My brothers were twins, you know. But we just got bottles and started feeding that child like nobody's business. She ate so much food. Uh, what do you mean? Like, what was it? What was it like? <laughs> okay. Okay. So from zero to three months, I started tracking her intake because I thought this can't be right. How, this can't be right. She seems like she's eating too much. So she, by the time she was between one and three months, she was drinking between six and eight bottles a day of six to eight ounces each bottle. Hmm. So, I mean, I thought, I thought, we've got to be overfeeding her. No. She was happy as a clam. After she'd eat, she wasn't terribly gassy. She was happy. She was just starving. And then we got to three months, and it was like an insatiable food pit. We did not know what to do. I mean, she was up all night eating, all day eating, and this was, this was formula. And, and, the, and the doctor said this was okay? The doctor said to me, I said, I don't know what else to do. And our GP said to me, 
you know, she kind of sits up. She started, she's a, she was really early with her muscle strength and all that. The doctor said, you know, you could feed her. You could feed her food. Parenting hack number two, feed your three-month-old food. Like feed her real food. Yeah. She's kind of telling us like, hey, guys, this formula is good, but you're up all day and night. I'm three months old and you're still feeding me every two hours. So I said to my husband, am I crazy? Here we go again. And typically, just so, so people know, um, I think um, pediatricians don't recommend switching to solids or, or starting to in- initiate solids until at least four months. Oh, yeah. And even, even then it was at the time, this was when she was then, when she, this was two, three years ago, two and a half years, it was six months. I was mm-hmm. told six months, wait six months. And of course, my mind went back to this is not right. She's only three months. Uh, you know, I, this is wrong. I'm going to connect her with obesity. I'm going to all these things people tell you. But here she is saying, hey, guys, I'm hungry. I'm really hungry, guys. <laughs> Seriously. So I fed her. <laughs> what do you mean? Like, what did you feed her? I walked, came home from the doctors that day. <laughs> I put her in the high chair and I fed her uh, rolled oats. Rolled oats. <laughs> rolled oats. You know, just plain. You, you, you like cooked them. Yeah. You know, just the, just the no sugar, no salt. I, you know, the, just the kind that come in the, the, not the Quaker kind, but the kind, the, the, the ones that are raw. And I heated them up a little bit and I mashed them up and I put them on a spoon and it was like, she, she could not have been happier. She ate <laughs> the entire bowl, didn't spit anything out. She's three months old. Wow. And because um, the, the GP said, you know, maybe give her a little bit of formula first and then give her a little bit of food. So she's not, you know how kids get crazy hungry? Yeah. They just like into octopuses and they're like, ah. So I fed her a little formula and then I waited. And then we did it that way, starting for the first week. And then I kind of noticed that she would see me going into the kitchen doing stuff. And she's, huh? I think she's, I swear she's watching me. So, <laughs> so then I just started, maybe we would do something around nine and around three, you know, and then we would sort of go from there. So by the time she was six months old, when most of my friends were just starting solids, she was eating three food meals a day along with bottles. Wow. <laughs> but again, she wasn't having any problems, you know, digesting the food. She wasn't throwing up. She was chewing just fine. She wasn't choking. So I figured, well, she's kind of showing me again that this is kind of the right thing to do. So I'm going to do it. (laughs) Yeah. And so, and you also, you mentioned something about a a, a particular bottle that you would give her. Oh my gosh. Okay. I guess, I guess I'll be real about it. All right. When she got to be about seven or eight months old, she reverted back to the two and three month where she was eating every one and a half to two hours on top of eating three to four times a day. And of course, you know, as a parent, you immediately go to my child is sick. There's a problem, you know, but I didn't know what else to do. So I called a friend. I called a friend of mine and she said, I'm going to tell you something that no one else is going to tell you that totally works and is against everything everybody says, but your child will sleep and be happier. And I was like, what? She said, put cereal in her bottle. I said, no, everybody, cereal, 
cereal put in a, a little bottle. Bit of, it'll put a little bit of rice cereal in her bottle. Now, let me tell you, every parenting book on the planet will tell you that if you put your be- child to bed at night with, you know, with a, bo- a little bit of formula with a little bit of cereal in it, you're going to, according to every, every, everything, you know, you're the worst parent in the world. You wait, why? I actually haven't seen this before. Oh, what? really? What's the problem? Basically, with it? Yeah. everything has to do with obesity and food stuff and about, you know, and, and then, um, the kid, it can, it can rot their teeth. Um, now we used to call this bottle the Voldemort bottle because of Harry Potter, of course, because it's the bottle that shall not be named because it totally worked. She was much happier going to bed at night with a full tummy. She didn't wake up as much and just seemed generally happier when she woke up in the morning. She wasn't waking up in a rage because she was so starving. And my girlfriend, my close girlfriend who gave me this advice said to me, she'll kind of tell you when she's done with it. And I and of course, you know, as a young parent, you know, she's seven or eight months old. Like, what? What are you talking about? You know, but it's true. She had a cereal bottle every night for two and a half months, and then she didn't want it anymore. Do you, do you, have, do you have a really large child? No, that's the thing. She is extremely small for her age. Really? <laughs> she's very petite. Yes, she's, she's she super strong. She was very active. She was sitting up on her own at four and a half months. She was, she was pulling herself up to stand and cruising at seven months. She was walking at 10 and a half months. She was so active. And that's the only thing I could connect it to was that the child's burning calories growing and burning calories being a baby. You know, I really, this is probably, I can't believe I'm telling you this publicly. I think I've only told two or three friends about the cereal bottle total. Wow. So we have spoken its name. Yes. It's the, Vol- the Voldemort bottle is out. So, um, so let's, so let's move on to, um, the potty and elimination. Okay. All right. So now again, our parenting technique is very much child led. So if she was showing interest in something, we would not push her towards it, but we would facilitate, you know, it's like anything else. Your kid shows an interest in painting. You maybe get some watercolors from the store and you leave them out. And if they want to try it, then great. So we got a tiny potty for her at about 18 months because she said, you know, pee 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 pee. And so I just got her a tiny potty. She walked in the bathroom, took her diaper off and peed. And I thought, I can't, I I won't cuss, but I thought, oh crap. Parenting hack number three. If she wants to crap in the toilet, let her crap. She would just kind of go when she felt like going. And then, you know, 18, 19, 20 months 21, 22, she started going in the morning and at night and then asking for what she called mommy diapers, which was undies. (laughs) And um, then at about 22 or 23 months, right before she turned two, she said to me, clear as a bell, mommy, no more diapers. And I I just looked at her and I said, you know, are you ready? Do you want to just wear undies? if If we go to undies... Because I'm, I was a big proponent of there's no pull-ups. It's either diapers or underwear. Like, that's it. So she said to me those words, no diapers, no diapers. And I said, okay. And so at about 23 months, she started wearing underwear full-time. And of course, at the time, all my friends are like, 
I mean, you know, doing the nice, we're like, that's so great for you, but you know, it can be kind of harmful and, you know, trying to be positive, but also, you know, make me aware that I could also be, you know, damaging her for life because this is too young, you know, everything said anything before two, maybe even two and a half, they're going to get UTIs. They're going to have problems later, um, eliminating in public. They can have problems psychologically. And again, my GP said to me, you know, your kid, if she's ready, she's ready. And if she's not ready, what are you going to do? I said, I'll put a diaper back on her. He said, okay, then who cares? You know, so, so, so you indicated that she was um, kind of advanced uh, physically yes. uh, in, in her activity, and um, she's refusing diapers. She's wanting <laughs> <laughs> mature food and mm-hmm, and stuff. Mm-hmm. Is she? Does she let you push her around in a stroller? No, God, no, <laughs> God, no. She wanted to be in her. She wanted to be in her carrier all the time, up high, so she could see it. Because I used three different carriers she, when she was a baby. Uh, she wanted to be up high all the time, seeing what everybody else was doing. Um, and she started, when she started walking, she never wanted to be in the stroller. She wanted to be walking. So I'd be, you know, at the target with an 11 month old walking around. Parenting hack number four, if the Hulk doesn't want to be in the stroller, set her free. I mean, we had a stroller that was pretty much brand new. I I just, you know, it's just sat there. So I got rid of it. I gave it away. I gave it to the women's shelter. It's gone now. And and so what, what would happen if you would try to put her in a stroller? Oh, my God. <laughs> um, uh, she would yell, no, no, no. As if, <laughs> I mean, just uh, like pulling it. And then she had figured out how to unlatch the straps. So it didn't even matter. So if I put her in the stroller, she would just unlatch herself. Oh, my God. So it was like, there was, I was like, okay, you know what? Okay. I get what you're telling me here. You don't want to be confined. You just want to be loose. So we just made a commitment to just let her walk and teach her to be as safe as possible that young. And I would just slip on those little leather booties just to cover her feet. And she would just go to town. Heather did the wrong thing time after time after time. And it worked out for her. her. Her baby excelled. But when you do the thing that people say you shouldn't, you know, the thing that's different from how everyone else around you is doing it, it can make it really hard to find friends. I was very, very lonely. Because I, I was at home full time from the time that she was three months old until she was 15, 16 months. All I wanted somebody to do was just to pat me on the back and go, hey, it's nice to meet you. But... Everybody else is looking for validation as well because they want to know that they're doing right by their own kid. And so we're all, I felt really lost. After a lot of hunting, Heather eventually did find a mom she could talk to, you know, like really talk to. Someone also named Heather. I thought, gosh, you know, this is, this is it. This is, this is my person, you know. And, um... Then she said, oh, well, I have a couple other friends. They had a private Facebook group. No one can see any of the information. And so I said, okay, well, you know, that would be good because I, I did want a way where I could maybe post stuff and bounce ideas off of people without having to meet up with them in person. You know, like, oh, my gosh, you guys, what are you using for teething? You know? And, and it was nice to have someone go, hey, you know what? That part was really hard for me, too. And just pat you on the back and say, but I'm really glad that I met you now. It was just so nice to hear that. 
Do you have any recommendations for parents? I mean, like, obviously, if there's a really big problem, you should seek professional help. But but what's your thought process in terms of like dealing with when your kid behaves in a way that you just totally don't expect, you know, like like yours did? For me, it was just being open to wacky, weird stuff. <laughs> Be open to trying something different. And, you know, I realized I didn't, you know, didn't do that bad, you know, <laughs> even though at the time I felt so terrible about the things we were doing that I must, there must be something wrong. But really, we ended up having a really um, interesting baby because I was just like, well, this isn't working. I know it's not working. I'm going to try X. I'm going to try Y. I'm going to try Z. Something's got to work. Heather and Rosemary live in L.A. You can see a picture of Rosemary at four months chomping on a rice cake at our brand new website, LongestShortestTime.com. We've all got our little parenting hacks that might be helpful for other parents to hear about. Or maybe you're desperately looking for the perfect parenting hack. Either way, you should join us for our first ever Google Hangout on the topic of parenting hacks. We're teaming up with The Daily Beast and parent-infant social worker Allison McCormick to answer your questions about what fixes might work for those interesting things your baby or toddler does. You can share the hacks that have worked for you and submit your pleas for help before the event on Twitter and Facebook with the hashtag ParentHacks. That's spelled P-A-R-E-N-T-H-A-C-K-S. The actual hangout will happen on Wednesday, January 29th at 8 p.m. Eastern. More info at our website. Today's episode was brought to you with support from Ergo Baby. New dad, Alan, came home one day to his wife who had a nasty cold. She needed a nap, so Alan grabbed the Ergo Baby, strapped the baby to his back, and mowed the lawn. We're giving away an Ergo Baby to one lucky listener. Find the details at our website. Whether you need your hands free to fold laundry, eat ice cream, or mow the lawn, you can find Ergo Baby carriers at another one of our sponsors, diapers.com. You can get 20% off your first order at diapers.com or actually on any of their sites where you can find things like sparkly sneakers, bed sheets, tissues, you name it, by using the promo code LONGEST20. That's LONGEST20. Thanks to Jeff Town for giving us amazingly detailed tech tips for our podcast, to Katie Barcelona for our beautiful new web design, and to Jamie Lloyd for putting in long hours to make sure that design would be ready for this week's episode. Our theme music is by The Batteries Duo. Jonathan and Hevar mixed the show. I'm Hillary Frank. We'll be back in two weeks with a new episode of The Longest Shortest Time, And as always, if you'd like me to consider your story of a surprising struggle in early parenthood for this podcast, go to LongestShortestTime.com and submit your story. I'm standing outside Smithsonian's National Museum of American History. Inside, there are like a trillion objects, and I have to go in there and find 10. So we open a drawer here, 
and there's Indiana Jones's jacket and Indiana Jones's whip. What is this? Now Prince donated this guitar. <gasps> I'm Asif Manvi, and I am lost at the Smithsonian. Where do I begin? This place is obviously full of fascinating stuff. Fonzie's jacket, right. worn by Henry Winkler on Happy Days. There are 156 million objects in the Smithsonian's collections. Here are Muppets. These aren't just objects. They're pieces of America's self-identity. I'm looking at a, a robe with the name Muhammad Ali. Only 10 episodes, only 10 objects. That's pretty amazing. Lost of the Smithsonian is out now. Subscribe now in Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen.